Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 156 of the Get Around Podcast, the final episode of what has been a crazy 2020, to say the least. My name is Jake Atnip in the host chair, actually hosting from Detroit, Michigan, with James Cook and our friend who hasn't been on the pod too much Uh-oh. this year, but seven and fours, Harrison Beebe. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, did you have a good Christmas? Have you uh, had good holidays? I, I don't think the get around our get around Audible viewers have really heard too much from you in the last, say, about four months. Yeah, they've heard, uh, my Up North Live viewers have heard a lot from you two, though. We basically had a marathon Christmas story style last week on the news, if anybody caught that. And I think we got one more segment to run. But, no, I was down in uh, the Detroit area as well, visiting my sister and my two nieces. So, yeah, I had a pretty good holiday here. Uh, of course, every day it seems like there's a new update from the MHSA. So, trying to plot aside how my January is going to look, and uh, hopefully, you guys can help me steer the ship here. Yeah, hopefully, we all get to kind of like be in the same place at the same time, doing the thing we love. Uh, it, it's looking like it will. Uh, we talked about that antigen pilot program testing last week, and uh, exactly what they're trying to do um, to get these kids back on the field. But I got to start with a little story from my time down here in Detroit. Yes, I want to hear about this. <laughs> so I, I need a, to hear the window story. I had a, I had a long Christmas weekend, not you know, not because of really anything bad, but I, at Christmas Day, I, the nighttime, I went over to my brother's house. You know, I left my I left my parents. I came down here for Christmas over my brother's house. I was like, oh well, you know, we'll go hang out. And we were drinking, and we we're in his kitchen, and we we're listening to some. I think it was Metallica or ACDC, and we, we were literally good Christmas that, music. Yeah, that'll do it. And we were literally just going for it and i eventually me and my brother kind of like started moshing but like i belly bumped my brother and he his whole backside went through his kitchen window his single hung kitchen window that was probably put in there in about 1953 so i spent the majority of my saturday and sunday uh demoing (laughs) half a house and trying to get a window in in the side of the house because it's 18 degrees down here and there's a hole in the side of my brother's house after i push him through a window um (laughs) It was really fun. We I've never I've never put a window in before. Uh, we did it. We did our best. It all turned out well. I just have to go back over there and paint it because I kind of feel like a dick that so, I pushed my brother so, through a window. So you would describe putting in a window as fun? Did I hear that correct? I mean, sure. When you're when you're doing it with your brother over the holidays and you learn yeah. something new. I guess so. Yeah, you could look at it as a family bonding experience. Yeah, I could have been doing like twelve hours worth of other things this weekend, but hey, here we are. <laughs> you guys stay one. I called him up on Saturday afternoon and I was like, hey, can you look over the dream team, the football dream team once for me? <laughs> He's like, well, I'm putting in a new window. <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to know I, why. I'm remodeling the side of my brother's house because I belly flopped him into it. Basically. That's he, what he, happened. He, he said, I put my brother through a window and I'm just, <laughs> I'm envisioning like a fight break. Are you guys okay? Lifted him up and threw him through no. the window. See me what Metallica? <laughs> What song was it? That's what I, I actually, know. to be honest with you, my brother has cameras like in his house for his dogs, right? And but my my brother's fiance was like supremely mad at us, like supremely mad at us when she woke up and just found the entire window encapsulated in saran wrap. Is she, is you she know? still the fiance? Can we confirm? Oh yeah, she's still the fiance. Okay, she didn't return the ring. No, no. Uh, if anything, <laughs> if anything, she would have just kicked me the hell out. But uh, what was the what was the song? I don't know what I'm was not, the song I that broke the window. I can't be hundred percent sure because we went into a panic mode as soon as it happened. But I'm pretty sure it was actually like the ACDC's "Ringing Hell's Bells" Christmas mm. mix. It was a Christmas okay. song, but it was the ACDC "Ringing Hell's Bells." It's on YouTube. I don't think it's actually an official release, but my brother was showing it to me, and we were jamming. Jamming a little too hard, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. Jamming, bumping, crashing. Do Would have you... been more appropriate if it was thunderstruck. If you're from Michigan State, that means something else. You wouldn't be throwing people through windows then. So, anyways, let's go ahead and get this episode started. This episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. We got to get into the pulse, so we'll put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world, and I want to bring up the changes that Harrison kind of prefaced at the beginning of the show. Every day, the MHSA or the MDHHS and everybody else is giving us new information, new timelines, new dates of how this is all going to work out. But we have something to look forward to. We have fall sports has a finish planned. They got pushed back an extra week after what the original schedule was put out. Because of that antigen pilot testing program, they weren't able to kind of figure out the logistics of getting all that stuff out to schools on time. Exactly how are they going to do that just 24 or 48 hours after they made that announcement. So things have been pushed back a little bit. That also affected winter sports more 
than it did already. They're going to be able to start practicing back at about the January 15th mark, but they're not going to be start playing until very close to February 1st now, which is going to make the winter sports season about seven weeks. Just tight. That's a, that's, a, that's a short season, and the boys and girls basketball playoffs are not going to be staggered any longer. Where normally, you know, the girls would be playing at, say, Breslin or Kelvin College or whatever it's been over the last few years. They either play the weekend before or the weekend after the boys, and it usually flip-flop back and forth. But this year, with how everything's being compressed, it's going to be the exact same timeline. What does this do for our winter sports athletes, gentlemen? I know we have to have some reaction because we've talked to coaches who are like, as long as we can finish, if we have to, you know, if we have to postpone, it's going to be okay. But now we're really kind of stabbing those winter sports kids again, cutting a lot more off of their stuff. I mean, well, hopefully they just get everything in and they'll, and they'll get everything. But, yeah, it's just another, another delay on top of another delay on top of another delay now. I mean, I mean, we already saw what happened this afternoon with Oscoda, you know, forfeiting to St. Francis because they don't have enough players because over the break apparently some players just decided they weren't going to come back especially after the injury to their starting quarterback. I mean, they were already going to be pretty big underdogs against St. Francis. And then you lose your all-state quarterback, and I think they just decided to move on and start playing for basketball. But, you know, I mean, I guess there's only so much that some kids can take. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are going plodding through this. But Yeah, you know, you guys talking about the, uh, the dream within a dream within a dream. It's almost like inception right now where these kids don't even realize, like, what year it is, what sport they're actually playing. Hopefully, the ones that are in football and volleyball are able to hone in these next few weeks and put real concentration. I didn't realistically think they were going to resume the fall postseasons when they are now. Having said that, it makes sense uh, with this rapid testing experimental program that they're going to do a small scale and, and work with the teams that were left because they don't feel comfortable rolling out everybody in basketball and hockey and wrestling right now to start doing those at full blast. And, you know, based on the governor's office's orders, it kind of makes sense to slowly weed our way into this. And if this proves successful, then we know we can maybe do it at a high level with all these other programs. So, yes, does it just absolutely suck that all these teams have to wait even longer now when they would already be through? Jeez, by by the time they get to practice, they would probably be normally through almost half their seasons in some cases. But the beauty of, uh, you know, basketball isn't the only winter sport, but the beauty of, I think, a basketball and maybe even a hockey, too, and maybe in wise, you can get a lot. These sports are very multi-week games. Like, it, it, yeah, their, their timeline as far as the months is shortened, but I think they're still going to be able, if they're approved to do so, get a lot of their schedules in, definitely all of their conference schedules in, and I don't know how creative they want to be on the other end, but... At the end of the day, if everybody's healthy and everybody's approved, they're still going to get in a big chunk of their season, and hopefully, compared to last year, the end of their seasons, which I think has got to be the top priority for basketball, no matter what. Yeah, even if it is chopping what it will be two, almost two whole months, if not more, off the basketball season. If it's only a six-week basketball season, if they get a tournament and they get a conclusion, I think that's what everybody kind of looks for. After we've heard about what's going on with these football players and obviously volleyball, and we got a couple teams left in volleyball, that conclusion factor is the only thing that people haven't had in 2020. You know, not even just sports, but in general, most people haven't been able to, you know, do that or uh, find a means to an end, you know, be able to, like, follow a plan through from the very start to the very end without just the fruit ninja of COVID just slicing that ribbon right in the middle as you're trying to get down the down the line, you know. These kids have, and what do we talk about it with Tommy Runyon? I didn't even introduce that. We have a great interview with Johannesburg Lewis and Tommy Runyon coming up here in just a little bit, but we talked to him and he he basically said, like, these these times have been so crazy in the last 10, 12 months for these kids that they have adapted over and over and over and over and over again this feels like nothing new and if this is you know if if they have to adapt for another week or push this or that in order to get what they want they'll do it no problem yeah i think we live in a day and age where that's just like i said at the beginning of the show i i was on vacation last week but i still saw my twitter feed oh this is getting delayed all this can restart here all these will be moved here all these might take place here i mean this day and age we might wake up tomorrow and they decide to pause everything again, and that's going to drive everybody crazy again. But that's just – it just goes to show you can't take anything for granted anymore. Um, and let's hope that we, we see through these fall postseasons and uh, everything can be ship-shaped for, for everything in winter to at least be somewhat normal. 
Now, James did kind of, you know, mention this. I just wanted to make sure that we put a little bit more of this in the podcast before we get into our interview with Tommy Runyon. But, you know, we did have six schools left in the football playoffs. Uh, so we're looking forward to six games coming up in just a couple of weeks. Oscoda forfeited that game to Traverse City St. Francis, uh, giving them a berth in the state semifinal, you know, come whenever that comes. Uh, we've seen this happen time and time again over the playoffs. But I want to ask, I mean, do you guys think that this happens with more teams over the next couple of weeks? I would think at least a few more. I don't think Escoda is going to be the only team to do it, whether it's COVID-related reasons or injury or preparation reasons, whatever comes up. I think there will be a few more forfeits. I, Josh Sellers told me when I visited practice on Monday that you know the, the COVID testing plan should be pretty efficient here for the next few weeks to, to spotlight any problems with programs. So maybe those will be minimal, but as we're seeing with Oscoda, maybe there'll be other reasons why teams decide, hey, you know, this isn't best for us for this reason. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll move on to the to the automatic berth to the semifinals. I mean, they'll they'll have to go on the road. They're kind of getting jobbed out of a, a home game in the playoffs because of this, but uh, they're going to have to go on the road against either Cass City or Ithaca, whoever wins that other regional final in the other half of that bracket, um, just based on playoff points. But uh, hey, I guess a win is a win, right? Uh, a win is a win, and a berth in the state in the state semifinals is going to be good for anybody. And uh, we're going to talk more about that here. Is this, just a, is this the first uh, January win in St. Francis football program history? I, I wouldn't be surprised if that would be the, the first January win for any school in Michigan. No, <laughs> and, can we pro- and let's proclaim it right now right. in December. Yeah, right? Yeah. Wait, in December is the first January win. And ironically um, – Oscoda is still claiming to be the undefeated an undefeated football team after even after forfeiting this game. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, to each their own. Well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much like how Bingo Tim Wooer said in the one story that we did on on Tim Wooer and how Kingsley reacted to you know having their their COVID outbreak and stuff. You know, he's like, you know, I'm never gonna have my kids get punished for something that was out of their control. So we 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 never lost a game this season. You know, we, we stopped our season. We didn't forfeit. Well, that's true. I mean, you can you can look at that for all those teams, including Oscoda. Having said that, Oscoda will not even come close to being able to discuss if they were state champions. Very true. Now, I, I want to bring up a team that is undefeated, can claim they are undefeated, and has a shot at a state championship. That is the Johannesburg-Lewiston Cardinals. We had a great interview with senior lineman Tommy Runyon. Stop by with us via FaceTime on Monday to chat about the Cardinals' run and how excited they are to get back to it. So let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome in our first Johannesburg Lewiston Cardinal senior, Tommy Runyon. Thank you so much for joining us via FaceTime today, Tommy. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I know we have lots to talk about. It's our first Cardinal on the show. Like we, we just said, there is so much to learn about the Joburg football team and what they've been able to do in this undefeated season. But before we get in there, we have to start off with a freaky fast five, a nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. So, Tommy, first question, it's easy. What's the best gift you got for Christmas? Uh, I would say probably an arm blaster. It's a uh, workout school that you know, for biceps. I was really excited to get that. Uh, what's the uh, best place in uh, Mount Morenci or Otsego counties to go out and eat? Uh, I would say Tally's. Tally's, yeah. uh, are, they have the, like, the best burger ever. What's been your least favorite workout to do at home that you used to do at school all the time? I would say like running. I'm not a big runner, so like sprint. You know, that's not not my favorite forte for sure. <laughs> I mean, those offensive linemen, they just need quick feet. They don't need to be fast, right? Right, right. So what is, what is it about your offense that uh, that you like the most? Um, I would say the line. I mean, we've had people move positions from last year before, and they have adapted and, you know, group, big-hearted, uh, just great guys, honestly. Um, great people to be around in school, outside of school, in the sport, you know, and uh, it's very enjoyable to play next to them. Who is your sports role model? Probably not in particular, but uh, offensive linemen like in the in the NFL, they definitely are underappreciated and don't get talked to enough. So I just I look at all of them. You know, I look up to them and great role models, and they're really really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And they only get their name said when they commit a penalty. Right. <laughs> 
Now, that was our Freaky Fast Five, a nod to over our sponsors at Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead, dive into the rest of this interview with Tommy, and actually talk about the Cardinals. I know James kind of hinted at this offense uh, beforehand, and we're kind of in this. I mean, Tommy is, you know, one of those senior anchor offensive linemen for Johannesburg-Lewiston. You guys have had such a high-powered, high-scoring offense this year. Obviously, we've talked about some of those guys with Sheldon Huff, and, and you guys know, I guess it just seems, how to put points on the board in just droves. What has that been like this year? I know, I know, you guys have been on that upward swing, but I mean, you guys have dropped sixty points in several games already this year. We uh, we dropped eighty one against Angus. You know, it's exciting. We put in a lot of hard work. We uh, we practice playing to the whistle, and that's honestly one of the biggest things that we we play until the whistle's blown, and uh, that's one of the reasons why we have to score a lot of points. You know, if if you know, let's say Sheldon's trucking trucking along, you know, we, we help push the pile and get a few extra yards, and that, that adds up in the end. Uh, again, it comes down to the offensive linemen blocking, the running backs faking, and, um, you know, executing the plan of attack, and we've been doing that all year. I know Coach Smokovich, at least one point during the year, I think I had to ask him, like, are you guys running up the score, or is this just kind of happening? And he's just like, man, it's halftime, and we got 55 points on the board because we're just running on over people. It's not so much about running up the score. What is the attitude like from the team when you guys are up by 40 points? Do you still just want to pile those points on and just keep on doing it? Oh, yeah, you know, and it only makes it better. Um, extra practice, we get to practice to play more, and just fine-tune them. I mean, it, you know, we don't. Our goal isn't to, like, murder them, but uh, we, we're here to play football and, you know, never let go of your dream and never let up. I mean, if you let up, that means you, you're you willing to give up and give up. So. Now, I know you guys kind of got a crappy draw with the playoffs for being an undefeated team, especially mm-hmm. – you. I mean, you guys – Thank God we could talk about you guys going back to play again. We're, we actually have a date to look forward to, but you guys are like the one team that – kind of seemed like you probably should have had that home field and you're not going to have it here in this late stage. It, depending on how it works out, you know, I, I've heard about you guys having to take a whole bus trip in a day and just try to do all this stuff. Just what, what, what's that, what you guys, how did you guys react to that when you found out that even after 80 points on some teams, undefeated season, best season you guys have had in your entire high school careers that you still didn't get that home field advantage deep into the playoffs? We just can't let up. I mean, it's, it's but can't we can't give up and uh we just got to keep pushing forward um you know we're, we're big with fans there's a lot of fans that travel with us so that's going to be another factor too is um not having fans scheduled right now but uh you know if we just feed off batting um with the team play to the whistle i mean for sure if you guys get you guys got to go to iron mountain or i don't know maybe the game gets maybe they move the game to the superior dome in Marquette or something, but if you win that game, then you would host um, a semifinal against either Carson City or Ubley because neither of them have as many playoff points as you guys. How, how cool would that be? Um, I, I've heard that maybe game could be played, you know, at Gaylord or Alpena somewhere with some turf and everything. But uh, then you'd get that home game again, finally in the semifinals. That'd be awesome. Uh, we have to take one game at a time, you know, as always. But if we get there, you know, that's going to be like one of the farthest we've gone in school history. And uh, honestly, we're looking past, we're looking to get to a state championship. But like I, one game at a time and, you know, and uh, we're looking, our ultimate goal is a state championship. I know that one game at a time mentality is what most coaches preach and what you guys have had. But you guys have been staring at one game now for what, it'll be almost three months in the middle of a season, it'll be, it seemed like about yeah. 10 weeks. Uh, you guys will be staring at that one game. How much have you guys been able to focus on Iron Mountain? How much have you guys been able to actually prepare for them? Or is that all kind of just like restarting now? You know, uh, we prepared. We were to play them in the beginning. And then we, we got shut down. And uh, that's when we kind of, you know, some of us uh, watching film and stuff. But, you know, most of them wanted to you know, ready to play so, you know, stuff away from the coaches, away, away from everything. We've been, um, we've been, we've been staying ready. I mean, we're we're excited to come back and all that. And uh, um, what's it like going to play an Iron Mountain team that has only played a handful of games this season, um, and then and then they get the home game? Is that a is that a motivation thing that you guys are like? Well, we should be the home team because we've played all these games and we actually won them on the field, whereas you guys just got a bunch of forfeits. You know. It, it played to their favor, um, and uh, yeah, it, 
in my opinion, I don't think it helps them playing only three games because you don't have the game experience as much as we do. Um, and then losing practices because of the shutdown, it only makes it worse on both sides, you know. But them, they don't have a lot of game experience, and they played the same team twice. So you can learn a lot with one team, but, you know, we've never played them. So they don't know, you know, how we really are. Um, we were bummed that uh, we didn't get the home field advantage, but um, and it, 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 quite frankly, it's kind of confusing because you know they forfeited all these games. They're winning. They have a, a almost a perfect record, and you know it's just it's heartbreaking that we couldn't get um, home game all the way up till uh, the state championship. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 you kind of got to like earn it again. Yeah. yeah. How, how different is it when you say mentioned that they played the same team twice? Is it an advantage for you guys that they play the same team twice and that you can watch those two games and compare them and see how they adjusted the second time? Oh, absolutely. That's going to be huge for us. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of film on them. So seeing that they played two different, te- two different teams but sa- playing the same team twice, that's going to see how they adapt to um, a team's offense. And they can't remember because I haven't watched film recently, but they, they pretty much run the same offense as us. I believe so that helps us. We can see their offense, how they run it, and we can piggyback off our offense to make our defense even better against them. And I'm actually, I'm really excited to play them, not only to get back to football, but I honestly have a shot. Mm-hmm. Now, I, one thing I do remember is, you know, Joburg was in that really weird spot, you know, where a part of your guys' school is in a different county that was in a whole different phase to start this whole season off. So, you guys have been in this weird limbo a few different times. Um, has it gotten any harder, any easier to kind of have this back and forth with the fall sports as you guys have had? I mean, at least at the, now that you have an end that you know you're going to at least play again? Um, it, it's kind of difficult and easy at the same time. It's difficult because the momentum. We lost the momentum at the very like the end. You know, beating Bill City was huge for us. Moving on to Iron Mountain, we had it going for us. You know, we were excited. But the, the one thing that made it easier is the injuries. We didn't have, like, major injuries, but, you know, to heal people up was the biggest thing, to come back 100%. That was huge for us. But it, it was difficult because, you know, like I said, the momentum was just, it felt, like, completely on our side off. I mean, you beat Beale City, then you go to play a team that has only played a couple games this year. You're, like, only a couple games away from the States. I'm sure, that's. I mean, the excitement in general has to be just crazy to get to 2021, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's a better year because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, getting shut down several times, it just kind of it puts us down a little bit. But we're we're excited to come back. I mean, all the guys have been talking, and we're, we're still back. And hopefully back for the final time, not mm-hmm. canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you guys are going to try to do the, the whole trip in one day and everything like that, but does uh... – does Coach Smokovich have anything planned for you guys because he's he's from that area? Is he like, we're going to go see something or we're going to do something like that? I... Um, he hasn't really said too much on the plans there. I know stop more to eat and stretch your legs. He said something about stopping at a school and maybe getting, like, you know, loose and stuff like that because, you know, it's a long it's a long bus ride to just sit there and then go play a game. Um, yeah, a lot of teams that do that, will they'll stop at a school somewhere else and do, like, a little run-through practice kind of. Yeah, that's. I think that's what we're planning, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, mm-hmm. Haven't really been. We've been close, but not close enough to get to the details because we've been shut down a couple of times. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess there's still some effort to get the game moved to the Superior Dome, so that could change all the logistics too. Yeah. Um, it save you guys a little bit of drive time and uh, actually make Iron Mountain have to hit the road a little bit. Yeah, I think it's going to help us if we get the dome because we're a fast team. And, you know, stopping us is going to be difficult as it is. And then speed on fresh turf in a dome is just going to be super um, advantageable to us. I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously, football, volleyball, swimming, uh, these these sports that are part of fall, they announced that pilot testing program to kind of like, you know, give you guys a chance to do this. They kind of say the reason why you guys are going to be able to do this is because they're going to test you a bunch before these games, make sure everybody doesn't have COVID, then you can go play. Um, just what are your feelings as an individual kind of being part of that pilot program, doing the antigen tests, and kind of being the first high school sports in this area to kind of try this out? It's going to be weird. Um, 
personally, I've never gotten a COVID test. So um, it's going to be new for all of us adapting because it take um, a lot of time to get all the players and all the staff tested. And um, that's just another thing we have to add on before or after practice or even during the week. And it's going to be – it's kind of cool that we get to be the first to, you know, be the guinea pigs. But, again, kind of weird to be the guinea pigs mm-hmm. at the same time. But, you know, I'm just – I'm happy we get to play. If that's something we have to do, then that's something we have to do to play because I'm excited to play and ready to go back. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. pre- I'm pretty sure you're lucky that you haven't gotten a COVID test yet. But the ones they do, like at the doctors and stuff, they shove like an eight-inch thing down your nose. The one that they're, yeah. the one that they're giving you guys is just like a mouth swab. Yeah, it's just like a spit test. It's a nasal swab. Yeah, it's just, yeah, but it's not. It's not like a deep throat swab. Yeah, you don't, it doesn't go all the way yeah, back. It doesn't like poke your brain. Yeah, it's not right. like so. You guys get like the, a little bit easier test. It's not like so invasive. So at least that's a good thing if you have to do it more than once. Yeah. Well, we when Smoke told us. Uh, we all looked at each other like, oh, no, we get the Q-tip all the way shoved in our nose. And I was excited when he told us that that was not what we're getting. Yeah, what I've heard is that you basically just put the swab in your nose and basically, you're basically it's basically a booger test. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To kind of change the subject a little bit, I mean, you got you to be happy to play this game just because of uh, everything going on. I mean, even getting shut down last season for baseball and not be on the play, you just you never know with football if that was actually going to return because of, you know, COVID and COVID was rising and, you know, it wasn't stopping at all. So we, we just, we were not sure, you know, workouts um, were canceled and we had to work out on our own and, you know, it was just difficult. We, we just never knew the whole details because no one knew. I mean, you just never know with this virus. People have been talking about how like the kids that are going through this are going to kind of come out on the other end with like a whole new set of life skills that, no other kids get because you had to adapt to everything constantly. Yeah. How, how true is that? Uh, I think it's very true. I mean, for example, is wearing a mask. I mean, no one likes to wear a mask, but I think now months in, you just kind of get used to it. Um, it's just a way of life now. And getting online schooling, I mean, never would have dreamed of going online to go to school. I mean, but that's something that we had to do. And, you know, it's kind of, Something that we get to say, like, we went online because of the virus, you know. Living through a virus is difficult, but it's kind of unique because it doesn't happen very often, so. Now, just it being your senior year, um, how much, I, I obviously, with having to go online and missing this and missing that, just how much as a senior do you have emotions about not being able to be at school? Or, I mean, I'm sure there was homecoming dances and proms and all these things that haven't been able to happen. What's it like just being a senior 18-year-old kid um, going through their senior year, not being able to kind of have all those experiences that you saw in, like, the movies or whatever else um, growing up? Yeah, it's kind of sad um, not knowing if we'll have a prom. Um, you know, we didn't get a prom last year, so uh, that, you know, that that's difficult you know being home is cool and all you get to relax in the PJs, but like seeing your friends for a final year when everybody else spreads their wings out it's just it's kind of sad to see that um losing time to see your friends and stuff um in school and then see your teachers one last year because you know senior year it goes by pretty fast and it already has and uh it's kind of sad that you know going online you kind of lose some of those features of you know, what's not having prom, not having the dances, not having like the prep assemblies, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, stuff like that is kind of sad, but um, you just got to adapt. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Just thankful we're all still here. Yeah. Yeah. All righty, Tommy. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at the Get Around today. It was so great to learn more about the Cardinals and you guys over there at Joburg. We wish you the best of luck finishing off hopefully that undefeated season and getting into the uh, the playoffs here in just a few weeks. Well, thank you, and I appreciate uh, you guys for having me, and it was a blast. Another huge thank you to Tommy for joining us here at the Get Around, our first Johannesburg Lewiston Cardinal. It's always exciting to have new kids from new schools on. Uh, I think, James, we have a list at the podcast office. We haven't been there very much lately, but I think out of our 35-plus schools, we're only missing about eight. It's, it's dwindling down now. We've got, we're, 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 getting, uh, we're getting our feelers out to, 
to new places and new markets. We're trying. A lot of them are small. So watch out. I mean, I know there's some teams. I, I can't promise win or where, but I know there's some teams like Bear Lake and like Manistee. Really, a lot of our fringer people, just smaller schools we haven't had a chance to yet. But we're going to try to get to all of you. So thanks again to Tommy. Uh, it was great to hear about the Cardinals. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to leave us into our top 10 story reveal for the year. These have been running in the Record Eagle over the last eight or so days. There's a couple more to run uh, just through the first of the year. But every year we take a big hard look back at what were the best local sports stories of the year. And, you know, we have another great list this year. No matter how uh, crazy coronavirus was, no matter how crazy this year of COVID was, uh, we still had local athletes do incredible things in our area. And lots of news happened on way too daily of a basis uh, for us to even want to keep up with when it came to this coronavirus stuff. So we're going to go ahead and run ten, from 10 through 1, and Harrison is here to join us to kind of give Ooh, us a little bit it's, more. It's like counting down to the new year. Yeah, but Harrison's here to give us a little bit more context. He, you know, He's this other sports guy. Has been back and forth with these teams, especially some of these ones we're going to talk about that are kind of like a dynasty-type deal. Uh, so we would, we're going to love to get his input on that. So let's go ahead. I mean, James, we started off this year with the number 10 story being our cross-country teams, uh, several of them and runners, really just clean up at state finals. We had Petoskey girls take home a state championship. We had three individual titles with Emma Squares, Hunter Jones, and McKenna Scott, and, you know, Julia Flynn in the top five uh, once again for Division One. We, we've just had such stellar runners here, and most of them have at least another year. Jones has two. Flynn has one. Jake needs a spreadsheet. Keep track of all these runners. Yeah. But, I mean, I just want – what do you guys think about are the dominance from our, from our runners this year? I was amazed that was only number 10, to be honest with you, based on all the success we had down there, a team winning a team and individual title in the same girls' Petoskey program. Uh, I, I guess that goes to show a lot of stuff did happen this year when a very noteworthy state finals in cross-country – uh, just squeezed in the top 10. That's not a knock on any of them. That just goes to show one of many great stories that still happened in a year where a lot of stuff didn't happen the same. Now, number nine, James, you kind of took the lead on this, but it was our coaching carousel. We had a lot of long, long-time coaches step away from the area. You want to give us a little rundown of who those were? Yeah, especially a lot at, like, Glen Lake. I mean, you had Rich Royalist stepping down in basketball, Jerry Andrews in football. Ryan Scott in for cross country who had run their cross country program for a decade and, you know, had McKenna Scott win that, that title. Um, and they, and they finished in the top 10, like one of their highest finishes since the early two thousands. Um, and Don Miller, they're stepping away from basketball as well after, you know, his legendary hall of fame career. So, um, and then just a lot of other, a lot of other coaching changes around the, the area, I mean, the, the most tragic, which is the Bel Air football with Brock Robinson passing away, you know, Tom Bakaru taking over there, but just a lot of change. Traverse City Central basketball getting a new coach, you know, with Travis Shuba leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a, a lot of, a lot of changes around here for one year. Yeah, I know, especially when you bring up even like the, the, the Travis Shuba, five, six-year guys who really led these programs to higher heights in the last five years. So we got to see where they go from here. Um, I mean, Glenn Lake got a, a you know former college basketball coach to step in. Uh, he looks like he's going to be able to do some really cool things over there with the Lakers, so we will have to see. Now, number eight, I know Harrison has had plenty of time to look at this kid and talk to this kid, but number eight on our top ten was Josh Burnham becoming the most highly sought after and you know most recruited kid from Northern. Probably Northern. ever. <laughs> yeah, maybe ever. I, I think in my story I put decades, but that's just because I, I couldn't – I wasn't there. Uh, I, we're, just, not, we're not old enough. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a perspective thing, you know. Like it, when, when somebody back in the 80s or whatever was having that happen, it's a perspective thing. But Harrison, you've seen this kid play, and I know you agree with me that he deserves all 13 of those offers. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just, you know, at first when Josh Burnham was dropping these tweets and responses of, oh, you know, Northwestern's looking at me, Illinois is looking at me, you know, Purdue, two Purdue today. It's like, okay, cool. He's getting some Big Ten looks. You know, we had Ernie, I think, went to Illinois a couple of years ago from TCOS, Jake Fisher, obviously. Or it was, we've had some Traverse City guys go to these Big Ten and Division One schools, but it was like every week. Burnham was dropping a new tweet about a new school, and it just kept getting higher and higher. You Michigan, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and then you see Alabama, and you're just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like Alabama does not mess around. They're way, way far away. It's not even like a Midwest regional thing anymore. Like the people in Alabama are looking into Josh Burnham to play college football for the Crimson Tide, which 
at this point is continuing to stake their claim as the most consistent college football program of all time. Like this stretch right now, the Saban stretch, I would put up there with any other run of college football programs in history, what they're doing, especially considering how tough it is to win championships these days. And they are seeking out one of our star linebackers. I mean, that's just, yeah, Josh Burnham's got a big decision on his hand, what he wants to do for the, for his college career, for his playing days. But, uh, He's definitely earned all the uh, recruiting offers he's received, and I'm excited to see now here in 2021. I he I guess maybe he could wait till 2022 to decide, but mm-hmm. something tells me here in the next 365 days or so we'll have an idea of where he's going to be playing in college. And yeah, in my opinion, I I can't think anybody bigger. I know James is a little more media hours up here than me, but in the modern era, Josh Burnham I think takes away as far as. Uh, excitement for for high school football we'll say obviously other sports mm-hmm. it, it, some of those uh, sports we may not know as much about the recruiting process and the big name but for as far as high school football is concerned burnham is just the king of the mountain in that category i wrote i wrote this story and you look back and he it, it aged really his offers aged really well he has offers from three of the four college football playoff teams <laughs> right with notre dame ohio state alabama uh-huh. and he told me on the phone and, and clemson's contacted him yeah, yeah. Not, not even just okay. contacted him they have they have talked a couple of different times it's not just like it's not like some of these schools like you said with stanford or arizona state or something who've just sent him like the, the recruiting I, I think mailer. i heard i think i heard the lions want to know if he could be head coach i think that trickled down somewhere right. i mean as far as a recruit goes and for a college football team he is i guess the the floor is very, the ceiling is very high but the floor is very high too i mean you already got a kid that's coming in it's got high character that gets good grades that you're pretty sure is not going to get in go out and party a lot and get into trouble and do stupid things i mean and those things are important to college football coaches and he checks off all those boxes in addition to being a phenomenal athlete and a great linebacker well yeah and being what six six three two twenty six three two twenty five something like that years old so definitely definitely a big story out of josh another local athlete took the number seven spot but it really wasn't just her because we've had an amazing run over the last six years but on cd Finishing off the D family legacy at Traverse City West uh, was one of our biggest stories of this year. While she didn't attain that state title, her individual one like her older sister did, over the past six years in Division I golf, there has been a D sister finished in t- inside the top five. And three of those five years, or six years, two of them finished inside the top five in Division I state finals golf. Both sitting one and two in the Traverse City West record books for best rounds ever at 63 and 64. Ansi got that 64 at Sheboygan this year, but finishing that legacy so strong. Um, two team championships between the two of them, three state titles, three missed golfs. I mean, this has been such an amazing run for those sisters. You guys have been here for that entire thing, so you guys take it away. Yeah, I remember talking to Annika back uh, in 2015, right after she went to the drive chip and putt finals and got to meet Jordan Spieth, right before Jordan Spieth went on his 2015 tear in the world of golf. I think that was 2015. It was 2016, but whatever, mid-decade there. I think the numbers add up for for high school. Anyways, yeah, remember me and them, and Ansi was at that same practice. Ansi and their little brother. uh, Ansi and Annika have a little brother that may play for TC West and continue some record setting someday for the golf program. Um, But yeah, ever since then, to see what those two have accomplished, and now Ansi wrapping up her senior... I mean, and and look at Ansi, yeah. Did she win the state title in Division One like she hoped? No, but to follow in the footsteps of a sister who... (laughs) We talk about Josh Burnham in football. Annika D, probably the greatest golfer in the history of Northern Michigan girls golf. I mean, and, said, three three missed golfs, three individual state titles, two team titles. Yeah. And you have to watch your sister do that and somehow even come close to comparing to her. And I, I think you can't match them up and say, oh, you needed to be exactly like this. No, I think that's the most difficult thing to ask somebody to do. Uh, but at the same time, Ansi was right there, right in those same categories, scoring those same low scores, leading West to conference championships, tournament wins, runs to state finals. Yeah, I, it was it, a surreal experience, to, especially now that I've gotten into golf and I'm going through the pitfalls of it and the trials and tribulations and seeing them just their bad day is you know, bogeying a hole, whereas my, that's, that's like, a, you guys know, if I, card, if I card a 90, yeah, you, I was with Jake when you did it, and James, I know you did it, if you called card a bogey round, like, oh, we're ecstatic. Oh my gosh, yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Incredibly so. So incredibly. <laughs> yeah, I just remember talking to Carl Ganyan one time, and he was talking about how Ansi stepped up to the to the tee box on like a, I don't know, 250-yard hole and had a little bit of a breeze to her back and got out the driver and, and drove the green, you know, in, in this tournament. I think it might have been up in Sheboygan. Um, and I'm just like, that is just, that is just crazy. And, uh, it's what she just was able to do and her, and her sister and put those two together, three state championships, two runner up finishes. And I don't know how many, what is it? it eight all been, state, yeah. eight all state finishes. It would have been eight top fives. I think total. Yeah. Cause, cause I mean, you know, Annika Annika's got runner up as a freshman. Yeah. Auntie's the worst, the worst finish between the both of them over the span of six years was sixth place in the state. That was the worst finish, and that happened. That happened. I, it was Auntie's freshman year, Annika's junior year, uh, when she first came in. She got sixth. I just wanted to bring up, and before we get off this, we know Auntie was way up there. The what COVID did to golf, making it one round this year, really throws a wrench into the golf state finals. You know, most tournaments, big tournaments like that, are always multiple days. Having one bad day on the golf course, like you guys said, and then still finishing fifth. Her bad day was what two over par, I think, and finished fifth. So, I mean, these, these, these girls have been amazing, and I'll just leave it at this. Carl, Carl Gagnon said, and I, I've heard this from other people, as good as golfers as these two girls are, they're even better people. And mm-hmm. and we, can, we can vouch yeah. for that, too. I know we've had them on the, the podcast, whole, everything. The whole, D, the whole D family, I have – their mom is texting me and your former reporter, Brett Summers, at the Women's Open last year, like – Make sure she stays behind to call her mom after the middle ceremony. I'm like, why aren't you telling her? She's like passing all the information to me to tell Annika during the tournament that she wins. I'm like, can she get that from you? But no, that whole family is amazing. Uh, their kids are super talented and super awesome people, and, and they're not done golfing. They're still, honestly, honestly going to Indianapolis and uh, Annika already at U of M. So more golf heroics to come. Hey, I'm, and, and, I- Axel, and Axel yet to come. Yeah, Axel. That's I was forgetting his name. Axel is yes, the youngest. I see Axel. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I've seen some videos of him hitting the golf ball, and you did, this legacy could be added to. Number six on our top ten list was the Northern Michigan soccer dominance this season. We talked about it last year, but Traverse City West making their second straight number run. Number six? What is in your top five? All of these uh, are like my, oh, my top fives. <laughs> I know, but it's tough because COVID did a lot to sports this year. So I know, but I'm left wondering what's in your top well, five. Well, we'll get there. We'll ahead. get there. Anyways, the, but Traverse City West making a run to the Division One state title, losing in overtime back-to-back years. I mean, you can't get closer than that. Elk Rapids finally getting over that regional hump. And then Leland still dominating Division Four, making it back to another Final Four this year. We, we've heard from all the coaches, from Plum, from Grissinger, from Wheeler. I mean, we've heard from the coaches who, I mean, Jared Boynton from Glen Lake, the people who weren't even in the, this position, they all think that the emergence has come. Do you guys agree? I would argue the emergence was kind of already there. Obviously, a season like this helps matters, but I think everybody who knows soccer up here goes into a season being like, okay, What's Leland going to look like? What's Elk Rapids going to look like? What's TC West going to look like? They're the big three programs, and they've been the big three programs up here even before runs to the final weeks of the season. Obviously, Leland winning that state title a few years ago, uh, but West won one way back with uh, Athletic Director Carmine's head coach, so they've had that in, in their experience. And, that, and Elk Rapids, we know ever since I've been covering sports since 2013, Elk Rapids has consistently been in the regional round and winning conference championships. And I, in my opinion of the three, they've been the most consistent over that seven-year span as far as regular season into postseason runs. And now they finally get the regional title that's eluded them. I, in my opinion, we've already been at this dominant level, and a, a season like this one just hammers it home more that, hey, these guys – you put them in your top 10 every year, you might as well, regardless of who's coming back, because those coaches and those systems are ready to go at it. Yeah, I think just having three of them in the semifinals at the same time is just a kind of historic thing for up here. I don't remember as long as I've been here ever having three different teams in the semifinals at the same time in three divisions. I mean, it's just kind of unheard of up here. But, but yeah, I mean, this has been coming for a while. Um, but just to get out grab is to get over that regional final hump and get to the quarterfinals, you know, and then so many of those games go into overtime and shootouts too. I mean, it's, it's, we were not very far away from, at all from having a, a couple of teams 
get to the finals and and you know have a good shot at winning. I mean, West went overtime in the finals. You know, Elk Rapids and Leland both had their overtime shootout games. Once again, you don't get much closer to the overall success. I think one of the other things is that you know TC West was the first Division One school since East Kentwood in 2007, 2008 to go to back-to-back Division One finals. I just think once again the consistency, the upward mobility, and what they've been able to do has really shown through. And just a quick note. I think the fact that we kind of got to start our soccer season a bit early and had everybody traveling to Northern Michigan to play just put a little bit more eyes on these teams, gave them a little bit more competition, which probably helped them a bit more this year. Number five on our top ten was, you know, we were we were talking about Josh Burnham being the one of the most highly touted recruits, but Elk Rapids alumni and tight end Adam Troutman getting drafted to the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that was a huge story this year, and once again, it's not very often we have these guys getting drafted like that. And he saw some legitimate playing time this year, uh, catching passes from Drew Brees. He's seen him. Hey, he season's not over yet. We could, before the end of the NFL season, Adam Troutman might be uh, kissing the Lombardi Trophy. Who knows? In his rookie yeah. year. I mean, that's the Saints are the second seed in the NFC right now. Uh, got it to do to beat the Packers on the road and whatever they got to do in the playoffs. But, yeah, for a guy like Adam Troutman, I remember – 24 was it 2014 or 2015 that he signed James do you remember it was 2014 was his senior season he redshirted so he went to college for five years yeah so I think 2014 fall was his last year and then I remember I couldn't go to a signing ceremony because it was at 7 a.m but I remember sending my morning reporter to that one and thinking oh good for that you know I remember Trotman was a good little player for Elk Rapids cool he's going to Dayton you know that's a nice little nice little college program to play for I would have never guessed back then that I'd be doing multiple interviews with him here in 2020 about his draft opportunity and going right there at the end of the third round there on that Friday night. I stayed up just to make sure so I could report it. And, and I mean, what a story, what a team to go to. And you could just tell by talking to the guy, just like Josh Burnham, that he's hungry for everything he's doing. He and All of our guys who reach that high level. And hungry for 100. burgers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the inside. Yeah, that's his connection, right? They're, they're all just feasting on that opportunity, and, and Troutman's at the top of that list, a guy who's not wasting this opportunity. He's had a TD this year. He's had several catches. Get to play with one of the greats of all time and Drew Brees. Get to live in New Orleans, which is one of the coolest cities in the entire world. So what a story. Definitely a top fiver for sure. Number four in our top ten stories list was a big one. This was kind of uh, this was a big controversy when – Governor Whitmer made the order that high school sports must be played with masks on. There was a big hoopla all back and forth between parents, coaches, athletes, administrators, doctors, scientists, whoever it might be, Facebook keyboard warriors, whatever it was. Uh, This was definitely one of our biggest stories of the year, especially because Michigan is one of two who had had this at any point, but I believe the only one who still has this still in effect. Um, Hopefully the antigen testing is what's going to get rid of the mask. They said that, that, but I mean – you guys know how is, everybody kind of reacted to this. What was your reaction when it all first went down? I mean, mask up Michigan was kind of the phrase of the year. I know it was for other states just to stay safe, but um, it seemed like that was going to be the only way we were going to allow sports to return was to rid any doubt of the potential of spread, and so that's what they were ordered to do. I tell you, some sports are definitely easier than others, and I I would feel bad watching those guys play soccer, running up and down the field having to wear those masks. But, uh, you know, com- commending all those teams and all those sports that, that put through with that hurdle just to commit to be able to play their sport and uh, do so safely. Yeah, and, you know, and it looks like if this uh, antigen testing pilot program is successful that we can have the winter sports without masks on. So I can't imagine how difficult it would be for basketball players mm-hmm. and wrestlers to do that. Yeah. Um, but every athlete I've talked to, you know, they're like, yeah, I mean, we may not like it, if that's what we got to do, that's what we got to do. We'll do it. It would have been a, it would have been pretty dang tough to pull that off in basketball or football or basketball or wrestling. I, I, they still will if they have to. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll just put my little two cents in is we really didn't have any outbreaks attributed to sports. You know, some teams got shut down and stuff like that, but they were not really able to trace contact between teams very often, if at all. Um, so I think the masks weren't the worst idea. Just the fact that there wasn't all the science in the world behind it when we first got started was a really big issue. 
It being cold now, I love wearing the you know mask. What, dude, that's I, like a that's a face warmer. I'm not now. even playing. I, I, I'm gonna keep wearing it even when it's not mandated because it keeps my face nice and toasty in a 20 degree day where I'd be begging to get back in the car. You're literally, dude. I was fixing that window at my brother's house the whole time, and I just had my gate around because I was like, I'm so much warmer now. Number three on our top ten list. We're getting here towards the end. This was a big one. This made some national headlines because they were the first to do it, and the pit spitters. In the Northwoods League, they created the pod system uh, where we had two teams, the Dune Bears and the Resorters, come into Traverse City and play the Pit Spitters for 50, what turned out to be, I think, like 51 games. Uh, obviously, the Dune Bears dissipated very quickly, but it made national news. It was like the only sports that happened at the beginning of like June 1st. Uh, we were like the first place to have baseball. Major League Baseball wasn't back. NBA wasn't back. NHL wasn't back. Nobody was back, and the Northwoods League did this. Uh, they did it to a, a decent success. They did have an outbreak between teams and things like that uh, right when it got started, but they figured their way out and kind of made it work. I mean, I know we were excited to have something going on in Traverse City over the summer, but, I mean, did you guys expect this to make national news? Well, I think uh, Pittsburgh's GM Mickey Graham even told me a couple weeks ago when we were talking about 2021, he said that the Northwoods League had the highest attendance of any baseball league in the entire country this year too, which just goes to show not only did they have great protocols to play these games, but they had great protocols in mind to be able to get fans to attend it. Obviously none of the stadiums were sold out or packed, but they had a great system in place, especially early on. Now they had the benefit of summer and being outdoors, but a great system in place to be able to get fans to a game and in the summer and outdoor baseball games and having a drink like that's kind of, just one of those things that just feels normal, and I think in a lot of ways that checked a lot of boxes off for people here in northern Michigan to be able to resume something of normalcy with, with that baseball team being back and then being able to go see them. Yeah, I think I think the point you made about being outside, I think, really, really helped them. I think uh, people were a little more comfortable with going out to games because it was outside, um, you know, during the height of kind of the height of the pandemic and everything, so just doing that and the, you know, they required you to wear masks at all times unless you were in your seat, you know, kind of thing, uh, you know, things that you got to kind of do and to, to make people feel safe enough to go to go do that and then having the limited capacities. Uh, let's go back into it and get to our number two story, which this is so big because it impacts our community so greatly that I don't know a lot of people really think about it, but all of our big races were canceled this year. Ironman 70.3 was going to be their second year in Traverse City. We're talking about, you know, the Bayshore Marathon, which is a Boston Marathon qualifier. You know, the Iceman, the there, I, there's so many. We have uh, Cherry Festival, the Festival of Races. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Vasa uh, just got canceled, um, mm-hmm. which is coming up. It's just like the the financial impact of not having the tourists and the people from across the world coming to Northern Michigan for what I believe is like six or seven big year events across the year that has had such an impact yeah. on our community. It's incredible. That's why it's number two. And the Asada river canoe marathon is the big event in that sport here in the United States or one of the big events here in the United States. That was also canceled this past summer. You guys don't really make your way up to the Sault Ste. Marie, but the I-500 snowmobile race, that's like a winter passion for that's all those guys. Yeah, that's huge that's, up in the Sioux. That's now gone for this upcoming January. I mean, that's, one way to show how a virus can affect an entire community, an entire region, an entire world is knocking out big events like that. I, I tell people, you know, you miss live sporting events and concerts, but then you notice little things like that. And little people along the way that just wanted to do their first marathon this year or their 100th marathon this year or do a team relay marathon, you know, whatever. These are like yearly benchmarks for some people to do to accomplish some lifetime goals. And now those will have to wait a year. Because, at least, because of uh, the current situation that we've all been in. And it's a huge financial boon for the area as well. I mean, I mean, all those, I mean, we are, all those tourists coming into town, sometimes thousands for these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just coming, going out to restaurants, going shopping, staying at hotels, all that stuff. Stocking up on Gatorade, whatever it is. I mean, just Buying newspapers. Yeah, right? <laughs> Watching TV and feeding into the local economy. It's just like... The, 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 it, it was such a big story because, you know, why it was such a big story is because there was nine of them. It happened over and over and over and over and over again, like everything else. And obviously, you know, with us being local sports people, the number one on this list is going to be COVID's overall impact on the sports landscape, not just local, 
but national and everywhere else, uh, COVID globally, the Olympics yeah, moved. Yeah, it just the COVID. COVID did things to the sports world that I think COVID reached the moon last I heard. Really? God, don't <laughs> tell me that. That's something like the International Space Station. The astronaut test it. positive yeah. on the moon. Oh, then it, we, it's over. <laughs> Oh man! It's easy for him to quarantine, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Luckily but, for me, I'm in space for two months. Yeah, but oh man, and but I mean, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. We have we had winter championships canceled, the entire spring sports season done. We've been all we've done this year is talk about this. I don't even think we really have to go too far into why this is our number one story, but it's like. That's why we're doing this podcast the way we're doing it right now. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. mean, it, you you look at it, you go. I mean, we we've all been in sports for quite some time now, you know. And I'll, this is kind of what I'll take from it, you know, is you looked at it and, and I thought that sports would never go away. The only thing that ever stopped sports before this was literally like World War II. And even then stuff still happened. 9-11 stopped them for a couple a few of days. days there. But yeah. not, not, not like this, you know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, nope. and, and not for months and not unknown. I thought it was permanence, you know. I thought, I thought that no matter what happened, you'd wake up in the morning and you'd have sports to watch. I took it all for granted, and I think a lot of people did. I thought that every day, you know, hey, look, Major League Baseball and basketball and football, they all overlap, so that way there's never a dead period for you not to have something going on. Yeah, And then you wake up one morning, and you're watching Korean baseball. (laughs) Exactly. That never happened to me, thankfully. I know I met plenty of people who did. Whatever it was, I mean, I I watched – I was watching 1988 football games for Michigan State and replays of – classics over and over again because i was missing it but i don't know i, I think i think how tough the spring would have been without the last dance oh man <laughs> yeah you're right everybody was <laughs> or tiger king how long ago does that seem holy crap long time ago so that that was our top 10 stories of the year uh obviously it's been a crazy year make sure you check out every edition of the record eagle for the last 10 days of the year if you want to pick those actual up in print to kind of keep them as a memoram or whatever you say as a memory of how bad this year was but that segment sponsored by jimmy john's with two locations in traverse city order a tasty sandwich today with the jimmy john's app we got just a couple more segments we have to update you on our final fantasy football standings we had two teams be created because of this podcast and uh, we had a lot of our lovely Audible viewers play along with us. It has been one heck of a season. And last time you heard from us, James and I were in the semifinal and had a chance to win each league and back up all of the you know crap talk that we uh, we did all season. But it didn't quite. And work we didn't. <laughs> so uh, I'm just guys, gonna... just guys just didn't work hard enough. I mean, that's what I take away. Nope. Me and James both finished with the number one seed or he tied for the number one seed in, in the respective leagues. But uh, I actually took fourth place after being the number one seed. Uh, I lost to Tony Moeller in the third place game. He put up 200 points this week because he had Alvin Kamara. And then uh, the Spiffelating Vorbs, they pulled out a close victory over Jack Stefanski from Frankfurt. What is the team name? The Spiffelating Vorbs. Yeah, but he pulled out a five-point victory over Jack Stefanski's Gen Z <laughs> To win. Unless, unless Josh Allen like throws two interceptions and then gets hurt. Yeah, yeah, because he he has him, but he's, he's ahead by like five points. And shouldn't he just shouldn't he just bench Josh Allen then? I would probably. <laughs> what do you have to gain from playing a quarterback if you're ahead? And then yeah, and it's a for, five point lead, so you don't have to worry about like a uh, scoring fic, you know change where it changes like a point. Like, the other guy's got nobody else. Let's get word to the Vorbs. Bench him, Vorbs. Yeah, James, you better bring up the other one. Because you lost, you got third. Oh no, you didn't. Oh my gosh! Do you, do you guys have prizes I lost in a, for your leagues? We both got fourth place. <laughs> we both got fourth place. I know. After like talking about how we were going to win these things, what yeah, I we, lost in the other one. Is there and, a prize uh, for the people who win your leagues? No, this was pride. Oh, okay. This was pride. We we should come up with something. Yeah, pride but, comes for the fun. James. You got so much crap at your house. I'm looking at it right now. Give him an empty beer can or something. <laughs> but in the other final, um, the Michigan Wolverines is ahead by point four six points right now. Jim Harbaugh, uh, which is run by another guy named James, teams. not me. And uh, he's beating Eric uh, Eric Minish from Bel Air. And like I said, it's close. He still has Cole Beasley to go tonight, too. The Michigan Wolverines does. Eric's team is done. So barring a Cole Beasley fumble or something like that, he's going to win that championship in an extremely close game. The only thing so maybe you get I just have copyright infringement of, of that being a team that's already a team, though? Does that disqualify him from winning? I don't know. But I, I'll just put it this way. It, I just looked at this, and it makes me a little mad. Both my third-place game and James' third-place game were the high, super highest scoring games for the final. 
So they definitely should be in the final. But still, by far the highest scoring games in the entire leagues. So how did Rosenthal do? By the and, end of the and, year, we had the best teams, James. Don't worry. Well, in the one league, you uh, played Andrew in the uh, like ninth place game. Oh yeah, I think it was. Did I beat him and uh, and, and lost in that game? I I, I haven't. I that that was my that was my goon squad. I think he was. I think it was led by Tom Brady, but I'm not sure. That was a fun year of fantasy. I didn't lo- I didn't win any of my dang leagues. I lost in four semifinals, which never happens. But hey, it happens to the best of us. COVID ravished my fantasy football season as well. Think about your future. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I am wise, and that is why I am going to shut this episode down and say goodbye. No Christmas talk. No. I thought the Christmas movie bracket. Oh, you're right. You're right. I almost forgot. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't. I didn't want to bring it up because Elf lost. Elf fell to home alone in the one half of the final four. And the Grinch beat It's a Wonderful Life. So we have a one final week of this Christmas bracket, even though Christmas is over. And I'm going to put it up for a whole week because I guess it's a pretty heated debate. But uh, do we have any late round picks here? Home Alone or the Grinch? Home Alone's got to be favored by like 10, 20% at least. I'm going to vote mean, for the Grinch. You can vote for the Grinch all you want, but like Home Alone is just, honestly, it's just won a Rotten Tomatoes poll for best Christmas movies. So. If that's America's viewpoint on it, I would think Northern Michigan isn't much different. I think they did pretty well in the sports movie Hall of Fame votes. So Probably not wrong. Get get at it, Macaulay. Get those crooks one more time. They only made like four of them, but like I said, it's time to go. Make sure you take a look out on Twitter for that poll. Follow Harrison at HarrisonBB. Follow at James Cook at JamesCook14. Follow me at JakeAtNip. We here at the Get Around at the Record Eagle and, of course, I'll speak for Harrison as well and all those people over North, up North Live. We wish you a very, very happy new year. Thank you always for tuning in and chatting with us and listening to us sit here and just go go off about whatever it might be. We always have fun. It's been another great year as your host. It's been another great year spending time with you guys. We thank you. We appreciate you. And we will see you in hopefully what is a much better year in 2021. <laughs>